All right, man. Good morning. I woke up uh, this morning with a little raspy voice, so I'm going to try and get uh, through this this morning. I might ask for a little more volume so that uh, everybody can hear me this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I've just got a cold. Just came down with a cold. So um, anyway, uh, years ago, in my um, early on in my career, I was working for a uh, for a large company, and the um, one of the one of the corporate trainers brought in a uh, program, and it worked something like this: um, if you could think it, and if you could say it enough times, you could move in that direction. Uh, it was very much kind of like uh, uh, name it and claim it, new age for uh, the corporate world. I can remember uh, the instructions were that you would write out these affirmations and you would uh, read over them every morning, every evening, whatever it was that you wanted to become, anything that you wanted to, to move towards. I am a good and loving husband and father. Um, I will earn six figures by the time I'm 40, whatever it was. And um, I'd kind of forgotten about it, so I Googled it last night, and sure enough, it's still out there. It was called Investment in Excellence uh, by a guy by the name of Lou Tice out of the Pacific Institute, and it said he died a couple years ago. But um, uh, whatever, yeah. <clears throat> uh, needless to say, I ended up making some career decisions early on based on uh, some selfish motives that uh, did not include God at all. And uh, a few years later, he needed to take me through the desert to basically uh, get my attention back. So um, uh, as I was uh, reading today again and uh, refreshing on James and, uh, you know, as um, Gene talks about uh, kind of self-centeredness and doing things for the wrong motives and uh, uh, this notion of servant leadership, I can recall kind of after that experience was in my past, anytime I went to any new uh, corporate training or whatever, I always went with a critical ear uh, and, in fact, can remember going specifically to listen for elements of being a uh, servant leader and uh, really keeping the Lord at the focus of, uh, of any of my training as opposed to uh, uh, what I had gotten in the past. So anyway, I'm going to turn it over to these guys and we'll get uh, the second half of uh, James. So Now keep going, man. That's great stuff. That's better than anything I prepared. <laughs> So, well, you want to talk sports? Let's talk about them a little bit. How First of them? all, yeah. before this, yeah. it may be more important to some people than others. Shout out to Nebraska, oh, cool. to the Huskers. Just for you, just for you, Kenny. Were they undefeated this year? Yeah, so far. All right, Are undefeated. Really? That's because they edged my team, Oregon. That, that was a bummer. So... That, that'll be the last time we bring up Nebraska positively in this meeting, at least while I'm here. No, I like Nebraska. Uh, Wildcats, edged by West Virginia. That's too bad. Um, Saturday, should have won that one. Uh, Jayhawks, edged <laughs> by Texas Tech, 55-19. Now they get to play a good team uh, this weekend, the Horned Frogs of TCU. So that'll be even closer. Go KU. Go KU. <laughs> um, uh, Chiefs edged by the Steelers. Oh. And you guys watched that game? That was painful. Hopefully you didn't watch too much of it. Wasn't that something? <laughs> Weren't you excited, though, going in? I mean, the Chiefs, 
you know, we were legit after beating the Jets. We hammered the Jets, and then, wow, after five minutes, the game was like over. Oh. It was over. And they yeah. were – the Steelers were just picking on the uh, – was he a rookie DB for the Chiefs? Think, Not, what, 24 maybe? Well, they picked Whoever on Marcus Peters. Or they were – they, yeah. they picked on anybody. Yeah. Gosh. That wasn't too pretty. No, that was awful. And I had Spencer Ware in my fantasy team. Um, but how about this? Did anybody see this? Did anybody watch golf? Yeah, it wasn't that Tom, wasn't that amazing? Tom? What, are you guys not USA fans? You're not like Olympics <laughs> fans or anything? This is, that's, do you know, anybody know who that guy is? Patrick Reed. And he took on the best in the world. And he is so pro-American, this young guy. And every time he'd hit a putter, he'd just scream and yell. And 50,000 fans who were more like football fans than golf fans you know, oh, man, that was so exciting on Sunday. So that made up for everything else. Wow. Oh, well. Next year. You guys aren't patriotic. Everybody needs to watch the Ryder Cup if you didn't watch it this year. If they do. So put that on your calendar. If they do, it'll be if, taped from this year because they only play it every two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Watch it next year. <laughs> so, hey, did you guys see the Apostles on Sunday? No. Okay. The Apostles of Jesus is uh, what we're talking about. It's a diverse group of people. We show this every time. And we're excited about this because, you know, we've gotten tired of James. It's the second week now, and uh, next week's going to be John. No, we like it because we have these different personalities, right? Yeah, we have, I mean, so, so far what we've seen, different people, different personalities, different gifts, different strengths, different weaknesses. But God uses all these guys to further his kingdom, and because of these guys— We've heard the message of the gospel today, and we have the opportunity to pass that on. Short review, two slides to remind you that we're on James, and this is um, one of the two fishermen of the sons of Zebedee, they're called, up north at Sea of Galilee. His name is James, and he's the older one of James and John. And last week we saw that um, he's sort of a chip off the old block, we said. Firstborn son, he had an influential father. Apparently had a shrewd mother. He was a mix of good and bad. And then we had the big eye. This is <laughs> and Derek and I get together each, uh, you know, week to week to talk about the day before to talk about this morning and so forth. If I hear Jay, if I hear Derek say the big eye in me one more time, I'm this is why I'm looking forward to leaving James. He, <laughs> he he loves to make fun of that title, the big eye in me. So then we we're not really sure what it means, yeah. but Getz does apparently. He does. <laughs> so he's part of the inner circle with Peter, James, John, Transfiguration, and the Garden where he falls asleep. So uh, you get this first part, which. We don't understand. We agreed it's on page, what page? Yeah, page 33, right. if you guys... And it has a title, which books. we haven't figured out yet, Playing the Right Cards. We spent most of our study time yesterday, Derek and I did, trying to figure out what in the world Playing the Right Cards has to do with anything else in this, on this page. So I've entitled it to Derek, Son of Thunder, so <laughs> take it away. <laughs> playing the Right Cards, yeah. We're going we're gonna to skip the title, Playing the Right Cards, but I think... The question that he poses at the beginning is good. And he says, you know, how do you handle the temptation to be opportunistic? And so in reference to opportunistic, what Getz is asking is, when you have an opportunity to trample somebody, when you have an opportunity to look out for your own needs instead of the needs of others, 
Do you take it to make that other person look bad? Do you take it to push that other person, you know, kind of farther down on the ladder, so to speak, than you are? And in here specifically, um, in Luke 9, 54, we see James, James asking the question, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? There's all this, this sin, all, the, all these bad things that are going on. And James, you know, James kind of puffed up James, older brother, sons of thunder. Hey, God, you, you just want me to wipe them all out? <laughs> Should we just take all these guys out because they're, they're not worthy to live? And he's, we think he's probably echoing a little bit of Elijah because he got to see the, the transfiguration, got to be up on the, on the mountain for that, just recently saw Elijah and now comes out and says, hey, let's wipe them out just like you know, Elijah called down back in the Old Testament. And looking at that and how we can relate that to our lives, when we do have an opportunity or we see sin in somebody else's life or we have an opportunity to take advantage of other people by, by trampling them, how do we handle that? And I know when I was at Target, I saw this a little bit. Um, there was a woman who I worked with and uh, she was on... You worked uh, not at the store on Fairline, but you worked at the... Uh, 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 down right, south. down south at the distribution, distribution center. Yeah, that big place. Yeah. The huge place. It's like a million square feet or something. It takes you 20 minutes to walk across the building. It's, it's ridiculous. So Sorry to interrupt. But, There's a woman you worked with? No, that was good. Yeah. There's a woman that I worked with, and she was on a different shift and even in a different department. But she was the type of person to where she would just give snippets of bad information to the people that she reported to, to her bosses. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. I'm sure she knew it. She had to know that she was doing that. But she took those opportunities to, for whatever reason, to, to boost herself up, to try to get a raise, to try to get a promotion, um, for whatever reason, to say these negative things, to say these bad things about other coworkers who she was working with. And we're like, man. And I, I, I read this chapter and think, she had an opportunity to put others down for the reason of elevating herself, elevating her own status. It's like, man, how, how sad is that? Who wants to be around somebody like that? But then I think you guys, hopefully you guys all watched the Olympics this summer. Um, a perfect example, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum is, and Jim, you probably remember this, and I think it was the women's 1500 or... Um, I don't know, one of the long-distance women's races. And the American woman, and I forget what other country the other woman was from, but they kind of tripped and fell over each other. And the American woman had an opportunity to get up and just basically trample over her and, and keep going. But she didn't, and she stopped, and she helped this other runner-up and, and helped her to the finish line. And, and what an example of selflessness, what an example of not taking the opportunity to trample over somebody and put them down, but to put their needs, to put their, their well-being above her own in order, I think, to be a great representation of God. Now, I don't know if she's a Christian or anything, but it really is a great example for us. You know, when I saw that, and I think you all remember it, it was one of the signature moments of the Olympics. I actually, while watching that, thought, would I do that? You know, after <clears throat> preparing for four years to be in the Olympics, 
And this is the woman who had tripped me. And, you know, I might have actually walked on her as I kept going. No, I mean, I just thought, that's, that's really amazing. I thought that, I was so happy, you know, if you watch that, that the Olympic Committee decided to let both women run in the next race, you know, advance them to the finals or whatever. But, uh, you know, that reward is something Jesus promises us, but doesn't often happen in the Olympics. That's a great, great illustration. Um, so the next section, which starts, I have here on page 35, uh, which is entitled in your book, Winning at Any Cost, is the story about how James and John, now we move to how they were competitive. <clears throat> and it's uh, uh, he's in the second, third, third paragraph on page 35, he uh, gets us, they got their heads together and devised a plan to reach their selfish goal. According to Matthew, uh, their mother Salome came with her sons and knelt before Jesus with a specific request. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and be uh, uh, other at your left in your kingdom. And as you know, to sit at uh, the king's right, you know, that's, that's their premier seat. And uh, so like, like I'm, I'm being honored right now because I'm sitting at, at uh, King Derek's right hand. And so she goes, I don't care whichever one it is, but one of them it's your right and the other it's your left. And, but Mark doesn't mention the mother. Mark just mentions the two guys. So uh, I think Mark's sort of placing the blame for this, you know, on the heads of, of James and John. He goes, yeah, your mother was involved. But, and, you know, the interesting thing about this is, is um, there was a book written uh, about 10 years ago, a really interesting book about privacy. And walking through history, through the Middle Ages and everything, and pointed out that only in the modern day and only in the recent modern day has there been anything like privacy, you know, where you have houses big enough where you can have sex in private without any kids seeing, or where you can have conversations in private easily or whatever, that he points out that you rarely have in history any conversations that are private in books or anything else because there was no privacy because everybody hung around together in one one or two room houses and so forth well that's what i think of with the story there's no privacy and so the other disciples you know they may have thought that they were kind of private but there was at least one of the disciple that heard this and spread it spread it around and the other disciples are as you would expect absolutely indignant and I, i'm guessing the mothers though it doesn't say it if one other mother can you imagine if a mother overheard another mother, you know, all the hangers-on of Jesus, overheard the, another mother getting in her dibs and asking for, uh, you know, for the, for the kids, put my kids up front? Oh, man, I bet there was one, one crazy, what do you call a fight between women? But anyway, so anyway, um, so I found this a really interesting story. They want to seat at the head table. They want to be at the right and at the left. And that ties in with the principle in page 42 is, yeah, we're competitive. Yeah, we want to be first place. I've always been super competitive, much less so now that I, you know, I can't leave the ground in basketball. And I, you know, all of my kids can now beat me in ping pong. I'm humiliated. But I mean, you know, I used to be really competitive. But Jesus Christ wants us to use our competitive tendencies to build his kingdom and not ours. And, you know, to be honest, even in the church, we're competitive. I'm competitive. You know, you try not to be competitive with other churches or with other student ministry groups. But, you know, when you hear when we hear that somebody's, you know, moving to another church or whatever, you have to go, 
It's, it's not about us, and it's not about competition. It's about the kingdom of God, right? And you have the same issues. We all have the same issues. My wife has the same issues over at Care Prevail, So, So anyway, uh, this is the whole competition thing, and here are the questions to consider later at your table. Uh, and I've stolen these from the end of the chapter. Why do we want to beat others to the draw? Why do we always want to be first in line? And the other one he asks is, how have you been able to keep your competitive tendencies from becoming self-oriented, opportunistic, prideful, and hurtful to others? Hmm. I haven't always been very good at those, at those things. Uh, let's move to Servants are King. And this yeah, is the title. This, Derek, this is actually the title he's got there. That's good. So we're, we're working yeah. with the titles. We're, Serv- working with the man. we're working with the man. This is... Some of that's kind of interesting, and I like the first two questions that he lists in this section. How much do you really understand about serving others? More specifically, if you are a leader, are you also a servant? And so kind of looking at leadership, and really it looks like in this section, um, it's more focused on King Herod than it necessarily is James. Um, one of the sentences in the, the second paragraph on page 36 says, King Herod Agrippa I, who ruled Palestine as a Roman, was also partly Jewish. In order to ingratiate himself with the Hebrews, he joined the religious community in persecuting Christians and had James arrested and put to death with the sword, Acts 12, 1 and 2. And so we see Herod, you know, he's, he's kind of getting in with the Hebrews, wants, wants to look good, wants to be accepted, and those types of things. And as Getz points out, it doesn't look like maybe there is, there is a trial or, or a hearing or anything like that. And King Herod just said, look, we're, we're persecuting the Christians. This guy's a Christian. He's, he's kind of loud, so we're going to take him out. And so looking at that, when we do have positions of leadership, um, as King Herod did, how do we use that position for good? Do we use it to serve others, or do we use our authority, do we use our position to essentially martyr, martyr others and, and try to take them out? And there's, that's something that we're looking at here is what, what was Herod doing? Was he a servant? Maybe he thought he was a servant while really doing something that was, that was evil and something that was not right. And so I think a lot of times for us, I know, I know for me anyways, it's easy to justify some type of action that I'll do in the name of, you know, something that we can claim to be good. When, when in reality it's not, and when in reality it's for our own selfish motives, and when in reality it's because we have a position and maybe we want to protect it, or maybe we want to look good in front of other people, or whatever the case is. So when we do it, when we are in those leadership positions, and all of us are, really evaluating, am I here to serve the people, and I, am I here to serve God and to look out for their needs, or am I secretly trying to build my own agenda, to further my own desires, to further my own wants, um, kind of that bottom line or whatever that is. Yeah. And this is, I mean, ties right in with the principle too, which is, which is in the back of the book. And as God looking for dedicated men with natural leadership abilities 
who become servant leaders. And when we look at scripture, we look at Jesus as the primary example. He was a servant. Scripture says that he came to serve and not to serve, to give, to give his life as a ransom. He didn't, he didn't have to serve. He didn't need to serve. He could have, <clears throat> I mean, he could have just used his power completely for his own good, his own glory, but he chose to come down. He chose to sacrifice himself. He chose um, to suffer and die as a servant for us even though he had more power than anybody else in the entire world, he didn't use that power in a negative way. You know, it's interesting, Derek, is uh, the business writer Jim Collins, I don't know if he is a Christian, but he may be, who's the best-known business writer in the last 20 years, probably, um, you know, wrote, wrote his most famous book about 10 years ago, and he was evaluating the top, C, the top CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, and I'm sure you're all aware of what I'm about to say, that he pointed out that interviewing the, the people who worked at those companies, they evaluated, they always evaluated their most successful CEOs as humble people. The word humility came up. It was just so astounding. It sounded so biblical. So basically... what we're hearing here that God wants is actually also the same thing that the people around you want. Everybody wants a servant leader. They don't want a bossy leader. And I think you asked this question, why is it difficult to be a servant leader? This is a question, Derek, from the end of the chapter, especially in the business world. Can you give examples? So uh, take that question at your table. Now, I have the last section here. And in honor of Hunter, uh, I've I've got a picture here of uh, from, you know, a Lego picture. Uh, the ultimate sacrifice, uh, and this is page 57. And the story is that uh, Herod, again, Herod Agrippa, who, um, you know, just like you said, Derek, he, Herod Agrippa liked to pick on the small guy. And since, since the population, the majority of the Jews didn't like the Christians, he goes, you know, I can win points, you know, by hurting them. And, and by the way, I think... I don't think there's anybody in here, no matter whether you're voting for Trump or Hillary, you know, who hasn't, who, who wouldn't agree with me that neither candidate is your ideal. And both candidates, in my view, uh, show this same disturbing tendency when it comes to Hillary. You know, she has a quote from earlier this summer when she was speaking at a major uh, feminist convention that, that we should not allow people with uh, old-fashioned religious beliefs to slow us down at all when it comes to worldwide abortion and worldwide, you know, that kind of stuff. And Trump is the same way, not with abortion and homosexuality issues. Trump's the same way with porn and immorality issues. You know, he, he laughs and ridicules uh, Christians' uh, views, views on morality and views on purity. So, um, you know, we're sort of, in this election, we're sort of uh, like the Christians in first century, though we're not getting our heads cut off. Uh, so this is, we have crucifixion in the New Testament. This is a significant death, by the way, James' death, because up until this point, you have 12 apostles. Remember, they replaced Judas in chapter 1. Now we get to chapter 12, and, and, the, and the, they do not replace James. And so this is the end of the whole 12 apostles thing, when James... Uh, gets killed, the first apostle to get killed. And um, so they come to him and they say, can we sit at your right and left? And Jesus asks, can you drink from the same 
cup, and in the Old Testament, you have this cup idea that God has this cup of anger or wrath. When God gets angry, his cup fills up, and then he dumps the cup on the people he's angry at. And you have this other metaphor of baptism that God sort of pushes you under the water till you drown. And so Jesus says, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink, the cup of God's wrath to save the world? And number two, can you, are you going to get baptized with the same baptism to death that I'm going to have? <laughs> and, and the verse goes, and they go, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we can do that. Because they totally misunderstand him in the previous little account. I'm sorry to ram On the previous account, Jesus, they're headed down to Jerusalem. It's a five-day trip normally. And so they're like a, a, a day in or something. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to die. And they totally dismiss that. I'm going to die and in three days I'm going to rise again. And what they hear is we're going down to establish the throne of David in, in David's town, Jerusalem. Okay, and he's going to rise in three days. Okay, we get down there in four. He's going to rise in three. That means he's going to, you know, take his glory. He's going to be on the throne. Hey, we better get our dibs in. We've only got a week. And a week from now, he's going to be sitting on the throne of David. Can we sit on the right and can we sit on the left? <laughs> and they don't have a clue. And, and, and so I, I think that's the timing. They're going, we got to ask now. We got to ask now. And, and Jesus says, and the, but, but I'll bet uh, when Acts 12 comes along and James is taken in and without benefit of a trial, he sees the sword coming to decapitate him. And he goes, what? This isn't the French Revolution. Why are you doing this? And um, you know, I'll bet he goes, oh, that's what Jesus meant. And he goes, that's the cup you're talking about. Oh, crud. So anyway, so anyway, I thought this is a good uh, end of the chapter. What price are you willing to pay? to be loyal to Jesus Christ. Mm. I like my head, so yeah, I'd be a tough one. Especially when I was young, I thought, I always thought, I'd read these missionary biographies, Derek, and i go, I'm willing to die. Come on, let's go for it. You know, the problem is living daily with your wife and with your kid. The problem is staying alive and dying every day to yourself, right? That's harder than the one-time shot. You know, take my head today, so. Anyway, uh, so let's say this verse together. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Uh, the questions are on page forty-five. Pray for each other. Uh, hey, let, let's give a shout out to Tom for, for that amazing breakfast. Where is that guy? Great Thank job, you. Tom. We appreciate wow. you. What? What? Keith. Ed wasn't here. Keith. Oh, Keith. Keith was there. Thank you. Good man. Wow. I woke up this morning. You know, your first thought is this is an ungodly hour to rise, you know especially since I was here until 1.30 in the morning. This is so early. The second thought is, the food I'm going to get in just half an hour is going to be amazing. So, <laughs> Don't any of you think that? Oh, I love it. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. You want to pray, pray for, for us? us? No, I want you to. Okay. We don't want to. Okay, I'll start Let's and then both. you finish. Dear Lord. <laughs> dear, dear Lord, thank you for the story of James. And I never really thought up until these last you know, couple weeks about how, yeah, he had an attitude issue, and he, he did come first, and he was selfish and, and competitive. And I, I never really have thought uh, about it as much as, as I have the last couple of weeks. And I really, you know, none of us want to be like that. So uh, now it's Derek's turn to finish my prayer, Lord. 
Father, help us this week. Help us to use our positions of leadership, our positions of, of power and influence that we have, um, whatever sphere that is, to honor you. Help us to be servant leaders as you displayed through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.